Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. <laughs> this is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip. Awa is not really, you know, with you as the host of the podcast. Oh wow, <laughs> okay, interesting. Well, here's here's the thing about the way of water, right? It it doesn't uh, have a beginning or end, right? So, just like me hosting the podcast doesn't have a beginning or, or end. Or no one else comes <laughs> in and is the main well, host I don't, of the I don't podcast. Th- that's not, that's not the way of the water, man. It flows. It doesn't stay stagnant. It flows. It goes back and forth. I don't know. I don't know about this. <laughs> Especially coming from uh, military Malcolm here, who over the course of the podcast has proven himself much more like the... Well, no, Malcolm's the perfect Jake Sully because he's <laughs> exactly, going yeah. from military Malcolm to embracing... He, he's going native. True. Wow. I was... I mean, you know, going into all this, right? You know, I was kind of... not. I, I figured it would be at least fun, but like I, the most skeptical, of like, I don't know if I'm going to get into all this avatar blue person nonsense. <laughs> it's uh, just a bunch of fucking blue weird critters crawling around. It's kind of gross. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, it was, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't talk any shit on this movie. This, it was, it was amazing. It Welcome was amazing. to Extended Clip. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And Avatar is the reason for the season. Had to do the reset. Uh, uh, all these little gross blue critters did win our hearts. Um, it's the cinematic event of the year. It's Avatar 2, The Way of Water, mm-hmm. uh, the sequel to James Cameron's uh, legendary blockbuster. Uh, James Cameron, the legend of the blockbuster. We've never really talked much about him on this podcast, but... You know, this film sees all of his usual tendencies uh, coming back to life. But, you know, he's going in a little more spiritual of a direction this time, a little more poetic, a little more just exploring the elements of the world that he created. But of course, you're going to come right back to that classic Cameron ownage for the third act. And it is much like Titanic in its third act, I think when he was writing this, he realized, oh yeah, remember when I sank a boat for an hour and it was like the coolest shit ever? I should do that yeah, on bad, Pandora. Huh? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Avatar 2, The Way of Water, is so much more than the first film to me. The first film is a classic in its own, right? And this film, you know, on a narrative level, maybe isn't even as like smooth. I think the, the first film is, uh, at least the theatrical cut, is more streamlined at like the classic kind of fish out of water tale turning into a you know more military based movie and this one is very as i said uh poetic for a lot of it there's exploratory almost, yeah there's there's an hour plus where really nothing happens and it's the best hour plus of the movie too <laughs> i i think yeah. that just like getting to hang out with big jim behind the camera and seeing him explore the world that he created you know, show it to us from the best camera angles. And, you know, he waited this long for the effects to look this good, and they look so good. And the high frame rate stuff is just unbelievable at times. Sometimes it looks a little weird, too. And I think that's what really, weirdly enough, what holds this together, much like the first one, is how, you know, I, I want to just say strange it is. There's a lot of things that don't feel like they belong 
in an all-time classic movie or oh, whatever. I mean, I mean, it's insane. Like, so much <laughs> that he pulls off here is, like, ridiculous for, like, a movie of this budget. Like, it feels like some... Like, I love sci-fi novels, and it just feels like some weird sort of, like, pulp sci-fi just bullshit. Like, a man, like, exploring, like, his weird particular fascinations. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like... I knew going into this that the first Avatar movie is sort of doing a lot of, like, table setting for, like, future Avatar films where it's just like, okay, we need to, like, we need to have the world be populated with a lot of humans. But, like, this movie has so few human characters. It's like, okay, well, obviously, like, the Na'vi are, like, humanoid cat people kind of a thing. There's a way to approach, like, those characters but the fact that, like, he invests so much time in just, like, okay, we're ramping it up. You're going to, like, give a shit about, like, the feelings of a, of a big cosmic whale. It's just, like, it's, it's baffling. It's, like, insane. Like, that there are just, like, so many people are going to see this movie that just has the, like, craziest nonsense of all time. Uh, when you say it ramps it up, a good comparison that came to mind throughout... Uh, was George Lucas in his prequels trilogy, the way Cameron is operating here. And, you know, The Phantom Menace obviously was met with a lot of scorn, but it was the last one that's shot on film, and it's a lot of table setting for what's to come. Then you get to Attack of the Clones, and I think James Cameron is in Attack of the Clones slash uh, Revenge of the Sith mode. Like, he is <coughs> just so over the top in terms of ditching all reality and just immersing himself in artificiality of computer-generated images. And it just allows him so much freedom. But he's always just going to be an action filmmaker who knows how to make a really fucking impactful, gruesome action scene. You know, that, that derailment we get early on, the first action set piece is unbelievable. We see, you know, the Navi insurrection led by uh, our old friend Jake Sully. <laughs> and uh, they, they're like shooting RPGs at a train full of the, the military people going back to their base or whatever. And you just get this train derailment where the train topples over perfectly. And it's something that, if he did it all practically, yeah, they wouldn't have, you know, a hundred attempts to get it perfect. But the physics of that scene are just like, to Cameron at least, what seems like the most perfect version of that train derailment stunt. And it's incredible to look at. And it feels so real for being so clearly artificial, too. You know, it's CGI people love. That's a classic thing. You know, I want practical effects in my movies or whatever. And it's like, well, different different things, you know, serve different purposes. And, you know, what's great about kind of Cameron using this kind of, you know, computer generated world is, is kind of like, yeah, he, he could do it, you know, exactly in his image, you know what I mean? And maybe that's why it, it take, you know, it takes him so long to, you know, in between avatars, you know, hopefully the next one's coming a little bit more soon. Yeah. Um, but it, it, and it, it is, yeah, it is. We got word. We got word. Um, but My people are telling <laughs> me right now. <laughs> but it and it, it it allows him so much freedom to kind of go exactly where he wants to go. And you know, it, you know, that's my fear kind of coming in. You know, because I was I wasn't exactly uh, like I said. You know, completely sold on. You know, I like I'm gonna watch Avatar. I'm gonna love it. Like I, I was like, oh, I might not. I might not like this. That that was kind of like a thought coming in. 
and you know one of the concerns was like is it going to be like too like you know like uh, there's the navi and there's all these new words i gotta learn all the lore all the lore and like there's this guy and it's one i feel like he does a good job of making the emotional through line of the movie work like all the family stuff i think that pays off in a really uh great way in a way that I, i never really expected to be affected by and two yeah he's a master of spectacle and you know i i i really do love the the water too you know what i mean and it is it is like as much as that first basically first hour or first chunk where it's it's still in the forest it's still it's still very good but like once we kind of get to the water and we kind of get more uh, spiritual, more one with nature, you know, it, I, I, maybe it's just because it's an environment I'm more familiar with, but it's just, uh, I don't know, that, that's when it really connected to me and it, it really won me over. Yeah, once you meet the reef people and we're hanging out with them, the movie just shifts into uh, next level gear. I think the first act, you know, a lot of people have already said, oh, it's just clunky exposition for the first 20 minutes, whatever, and it's like, yeah, you got to kind of lay out like what's been going on for the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. And the it, it maybe feels a little rushed at times, but you're just happy to be there. And it kind of feels like Avatar 1 level. And then you truly go <laughs> Avatar 2 level when you meet the Reef people and you learn about the way of water has no beginning and no end. What a yeah. beautiful, what a beautiful sentiment. Uh, Cameron's whole career, you know, his movies are wet as fuck. Uh, even the Terminator, the streets of L.A., why are they so wet? It's like Taxi Driver, you know. Uh, it all is, you know, Terminator 2. You're you're one of the best chases at the fucking L.A. River, which nobody cares about the L.A. River, but Cameron's got to get at least a couple drops in there, you know. And uh, I, I think water, you know, plenty of storytellers, filmmakers use that as the great symbol of life and death and of rebirth and whatnot. Uh, we just talked about The Master. You know, a great water movie, mm-hmm. but he is just so in it at this point. He is living underwater. He's not coming up for air, man. This, this film is so dedicated to that. And they built, you know, of course, this huge tanker, like the biggest underwater set they've ever made for a movie, basically. And it's like, it's so funny that it's all CG, but he's also having these people be underwater too. It's like just because he wants the physics to be as real as possible. And I think the, the interplay of, you know, people that are covered in tennis balls uh, and CG backdrops and the elements and everything. I, I was so constantly amazed by how well it's pulled off. Yeah, no, I mean to get with what you're saying, bringing up uh life death and rebirth and sort of this unreal like hyper reality it's just like you see Stephen lang and like sigourney weaver like sort of be reborn in this and it's i don't know i think that goes with like the having very real world physics of like water by like shooting cg stuff in water you get stuff that is ground like very much so like heavily grounded in like the natural world that we're familiar with it's not just like um cameron is making like a big like just animated cg movie like just from scratch it's not like he's just doing that it's the i don't know that those elements combined like and i think to me, like, relating that to, like, some characters that are reborn through, like, digital imagery here, just, it creates, 
an experience watching it that's just I don't know. It's just unparalleled to anything else. Like the way he emphasizes like using these like new particular formats like with high frame rate and the the 3D as well. You just it allows you to occupy a space uh unlike anything else. Absolutely. I mean the high frame rate stuff underwater, especially with the way he uses the 3D is completely novel. Like I've never seen anything like it. It's I mean, you could say it's novelty filmmaking, you know, whatever. Uh, And if you're that attached to, you know, the notion of, you know, technical stuff should be invisible or whatever, then maybe it's not the movie for you. Uh, Because this is such a movie about technical spectacle. And, you know, Cameron is in love with his tools, the way that his characters fall in love with each other. I think all of the romances in Cameron's movies, like, work much better if you're projecting the auteur's lens on it of this is a man who's in love with machinery and cameras and you know the 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 nuts and bolts of action films basically and titanic that makes perfect sense you know it's a man in love with a boat uh and this one it's a man in love with a world that is much better than ours um and the the parallels to our world are the only things that bring it down of course no, yeah, I think, you know, JT, you were talking about how it has kind of like this tie to reality. And, it, you know, it literally does with like these human characters and kind of like the, you know, this military presence kind of mimicking, you know, real life military uh, misdeeds or, and whatnot. Yeah. And this uh, one leans much more into the Vietnam stuff than the last one. I totally, think. Yeah. totally. And that I think that's what gives it, you know, gives it a certain, uh, you know, amount of weight and doesn't make it feel so uh i don't know uh, foreign or you know y- you could kind of uh immerse yourself you know in the realities of that while also you know what i mean uh you know connecting your hair tail to you know a flower and uh you know uh, kind of using the the way of nature to guide you to you know i i do kind of like the um you know this sequence we're talking about you know once you kind of get to the water stuff and like kind of uh everyone kind of uh connecting with nature and whatnot it it does kind of feel i don't know like it is it is very unlike anything else because you think of like these very technical action movies right and you don't really think of uh you know things like that you know what i mean kind of like a mixing such precise like action filmmaking with kind of like lofty like hippie spiritual ideals and you know making it all all work I, I think is like you know a very it's a very great cocktail yeah it like takes a break to sort of do like a weird like nature documentary about an Absolutely. imagined world in mm-hmm. the middle and that's just like and again i feel like like what eddie was saying that like that is just the best hour of the movie where it's just you know like all of the table setting has been done you know more or less what's going to happen um not exact not the you can't predict i feel like the way and mechanics that cameron uses to pull it off but you know that like the two the forces of good and evil are going to come back together at the end but you just get a beautiful hour to luxuriate in pandora and that's i don't know that's really what the people want yeah and it's like it's not just beautiful it's also funny and clunky in ways that are like 
we're kind of laughing with you. We're kind of laughing at you, James. Uh, we love you, James Cameron, but you're you're a madman. I, I have to say, like w- when you first arrive in the reef uh, island, you know uh, the islands, and just seeing the uh, the young girl, the daughter of the uh, you know the chief warrior, come out of the water, and you know Jake Sully's son making eyes at her, and her looking back, and it's like Jesus, Jim. You gotta you gotta tone down being so horny for these these uh, beautiful Navi women, but at the same time, <laughs> hey man, this is a four quadrant movie. There's got to be something for daddy every fifteen minutes. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I think I think you're lying through your teeth here, Eddie. Because I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you. I don't think. You, I think me and you both don't want less of that stuff. You know what I mean? We, you know, there's gonna be like ten of these movies. There better be like the hot like the hot adult version of Avatar where we get what we really want. The first one did have a sex scene and it was like very reminiscent of the Terminator's sex scene, which is like both of them are very much like uh, they, they feel very obligatory. They're just like James Cameron's like, well, they should have sex before the big action scene, you know? Uh, And in Avatar, the original film, of course, there's the iconic moment of the, the tales being put together. Mm -hmm. Uh, This film doesn't have any of that, but as Malcolm pointed out, these are, these are young teens we're dealing with. I think we got to wait till Avatar three or four before the, uh, the Sully children start making their own children. All grown up. Yeah. Sully, Jake (laughs) Sully Jr. goes to college or whatever. (laughs) That's fun with the co-eds. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's the beauty of this, right? Is is because uh, isn't he James Cameron making all of these at once yeah. too? So it, it is it is kind of like you could kind of uh, you know copy and paste a little bit here. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that's that's what makes the first hour feel, or not the first hour, but like kind of this hour we're talking about, where it's almost like a nature documentary. It feels almost like kind of like non-specific. You know what I mean? Like it, you could imagine that there was a lot more of that stuff shot for that and they kind of just took like the best moments and kind of you know strung them together and Mm -hmm. uh i think that's 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 kind of a you know in a way for the type of movies that he's making i think that's that's kind of a plus you know what i mean where you could kind of go a little bit off the you know off the path and kind of explore kind of the way that he's making all these movies it's kind of like he could really liven things up in the editing room you mm-hmm. know what i mean and i think that's that's a vital part of this movie well he is credited as one of the four editors on this movie so. yeah I, I think i think he, for something something like this if you really want his vision to come through I he feel has like to he, be in there yeah. yeah he has to be in that booth there was some report it was like oh avatar 3 first cut is nine hours it's like that's an assembly cut that's how production works but he wants to do the vfx for all nine hours exactly that's the thing so like that's his vision coming through in the editing room like he's not leaving it to chance at all because you might discover a scene that like maybe on paper shouldn't work but then once you do the vfx it's like oh this is mind melting we need to put it in the movie that is that is funny like you know maybe we should have done the research but it is like how, when you're shooting this stuff, how do you know it's good? <laughs> exactly, yeah. It is, like, it is just like, imagining, <laughs> yeah, any of those, like, facial expressions that are going to be done in post. Like, a- any kind of gesture he has to shoot where someone doesn't say anything, like, yeah, we got that. We're good, I think. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I wonder what the, the nuts and bolts of all that is, because it is, it is kind of funny thinking of them, like, physically shooting this movie and, like tennis balls or whatever yeah i mean i've met people on set in the last year who have worked on it and it's like i'm always curious like 
like I do set deck stuff and it's like, what did you even do? Like how much of this is tangible and how much of it is blue screen? Um, Like it's, it's so fascinating to me. You know, there's some sets in here that look very real, of course, Uh, like the inside of the, the hunting boat and stuff like that. Like these are normal Mm -hmm. sets basically. And then there's some of it where it's like, are you just in a blue dome? Like what? What is this? <laughs> no, that's that's. It's funny. Like whenever you cut to a scene and it's all humans in it, yeah. you're like, "What the fuck is this?" It's yeah. like <laughs> it, it like cut to like some old movie, like an old boating movie from like, <laughs> is this like ten thousand leagues under the sea? What the fuck? Is this? <laughs> Who the fuck are these normies? You know what I mean? It's just like, uh, it's it's funny when you know the human element is reminded because it is. It just looks. You know, obviously the Navis are a different breed, as shown by Spider, the the wannabe Navi. Dude, you know? yeah. So the uh, <laughs> the Wavi, if you will, yeah, the, <laughs> the white Navi yeah, uh, yeah. Spider, who has white dreads, <laughs> and uh, they call him Monkey Boy, which is a little I don't know about that choice there. There's let's just say there's a lot of uh, racial choices in this movie and the first one that I feel like Cameron just rejected all notes on he's like no this is my vision this is what it is like people had to have been like, he's like no it's pandora it's different yeah. there is- <laughs> you can't be racist on pandora like <laughs> this is just what they are they're not real so yeah I just made like it breaking up. down like what kind of voice kate winslet for example is actually doing like what is that you know <laughs> but it's not racist it's not obvious you know uh <laughs> That is, I, I did not know that was Kate Winslet until the, well, even when the or the, the credits came up, I'm like, who the fuck was Kate Winslet? Yeah. <laughs> Spider is the son of Stephen Lang. He didn't get to go back to Earth because he was a baby. So they left him on uh, Pandora to hang with the scientists and the blue guys. And then Stephen Lang's back because they got to kill Jake Sully. But he died in the first one, right? But his memories were implanted into an avatar, which is pretty awesome. I, I mm-hmm. it's so stupid, but oh, I love that. N- that's a, such a badass choice. Yeah. And with you mentioning like Jim being in Attack of the Clones mode here, it's like you know the Spider Stephen Lang stuff. It's gonna come back in the like it. It is only building to something in like future movies where it's like getting you to a point. Yeah. Of like an intense like dad that's part Navi human like son human Navi like just I don't know that's I feel like that's just good like dramatic filmmaking and like very like no matter how like sort of stupid and base that is I feel like it's uh it, it's exciting for a family for the family drama element of this well I think I think through through spectacle. You could sell the base, right? You yeah. know what I mean. Sometimes it's almost better to have a more simple kind of set of loyalties and emotions for something that for is sure, like, for something, absolutely something that is kind of like uh, as complex as this gets. You know what I mean? Because it is the one criticism I, I guess I, I I do have of this movie is that you know there are like maybe ten or fifteen minutes where I kind of just feel lost like even mm-hmm. in like a a fight sequence and it just keeps compounding and compounding on itself and it's you know i i like I like a lot of that you know within the movie but it it is like it's like this is it's so overwhelming to me and it it's maybe it's almost a criticism of myself you know watching the movie but it is like I feel like I'm intaking so much stuff here, so much information, so much spectacle that I'm, I kind of just, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And like, (laughs) and and, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, it's, 
you know, I guess feeling lost is not necessarily a good feeling, you know, and that's not representative of how I felt overall, but it is, it is just kind of funny just how, how much, how much this movie is. It, yeah, it really no, is. it's, it's a zone out movie for sure. If you're not like a thousand percent invested, there's going to be chunks of either drama, action or nature that you kind of just glaze over because the action scenes are so fucking long. It's like when I was watching Titanic last week, you know, all this shit's going down. It's in full action movie mood. Uh, mode and I'm like wait a second there's still 70 minutes left in this movie the, yeah. these action scenes are going to be just so long and um, that's one thing that I think uh, in terms of generational filmmaking someone like Michael Bay took from Cameron is the excuses to make these action scenes so long and that is probably who the closest analog for me is in terms of like an action scene being so insane that after a while, though, my eyes kind of glaze over and I have to rewind a minute because I'm like, despite the incredible effects on screen and all this stuff going down, it's like, oh, I kind of zoned out for like a minute there. I kind of have to rewind. The other thing, I think uh, Cameron humor is like a dad joke version of Michael Bay humor uh, and much more tolerable for that less, reason. Less sleazy. Yeah, yeah, less sleazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with what you're saying about like how the world of Pan like Pandora itself, whether just like visually at times, just like there being so much on screen or just like getting accustomed to an entirely different world. I, I like that like Jim keeps it simple in terms of like plot and then like family dynamics. And uh, like because of that, I think like there's the mix of that like high concept stuff and like simplicity where it just like you get that uh moment where Stephen Lang crushes the skull of the Stephen Lang from the first movie and yeah. it's just like that's badass that's it's going hamlet mode like, dude yeah <laughs> straight up that is one of my favorite because this is a film full of references which i think is also an underrated aspect of yeah. it say underrated the movie just came out uh but like yeah. uh, everyone <laughs> loves it no. an already <laughs> overlooked aspect yeah it's like that reference is very clear there and there's even the, the apocalypse now reference as, as i got into how vietnam heavy this one is and it's it's military parable there's like the shot of uh, Jake Sully rising out of the water slowly, uh, just like Apocalypse <laughs> Now with the flame in the background, too. It's like a yeah. very pointed reference to be like, if you weren't aware already, uh, if you weren't aware by the point where uh, Stephen Lang is like at the wrong island and, and just torches down the village <laughs> and you have the palm, uh, 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 palm trees in the background. It's yeah. like it's it's hilarious. Uh, it's it's savage. It's horrible. Yeah. But it's uh, it's savage, of course, is a key word for the first movie, <laughs> which is all about, you know, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this one, like, I feel like he kind of aims his targets a little differently. Like, it's like, yeah, the military stuff was in the first one. One as well as just general imperialism uh but on this one we're gonna go uh not just like the vietnam war stuff but also uh little hippy dippy nature don't kill the animals type stuff True, you yeah. know the real the the impetus for kind of uh stephen lang getting to them at this point is he commandeers a, a whaling boat and so there's yeah. these dudes that are it turns out the way that Pandora's military base is being funded, uh, the way that Edie Falco can have this awesome skeletal mech suit that she drinks coffee out of <laughs> and that we have these crab robots that can build a building in five days is that 
they're stealing this juice that's inside the brain of the uh, the Pandora whales, and that juice stops human aging. And so they send it back to Earth and sell it for like $80 million a vial or whatever. But those whales, we also find out, are the best friends and the spirit brothers and sister of the reef people. And uh, that is like the apex of the nature doc hour uh, when the reef kids take one of Jake Sully's kids uh, out past the reef and they get they ditch him and get him into trouble. And, uh, you know, he's getting attacked by a big old guy. And then his new whale buddy comes and saves the day because, as Qui-Gon Jinn said, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> the the whale stuff is great. I love how they could like they talk to the whales. Like, yeah, I love they that. Si- they do sign language. Yeah, like, like it's so sick. Like Kate Winslet is like saying, "Oh, I just had a kid, and so I saw you had a kid too." It's yeah, like, yeah, just doing well, doing well. just small talk with a whale. And Very for funny. you know uh, viewers that, or listeners that aren't subscribed to our video feed, while Malcolm was saying that he was kind of just like turning his hand like a doorknob the whole time yeah. to imitate sign language. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's sign language. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm not. What is it? ASL qualified. Well, they're not speaking ASL. They're yeah. speaking NSL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, Navi sign language. Um, yeah. No. It's, well, this, there's a lot to l- catch up with this Avatar world. See, I, I didn't even, I didn't even quite connect that they were. That's uh, I must. That might have been. I did fall asleep for like five minutes. In the theater, <laughs> I have to say, but. Um, like it, it like That's i don't know there's okay. there's so many connections where it's like i didn't even quite pick up that it's like you know the whales were funding the military or yeah. whatever and um but that that sequence that sequence is great where you know he uh one of the sully sons is uh connecting with the whale and it's just like just with the whale for like 10 minutes <laughs> just exploring the whale and it is yeah it's so cool. The, then the second time he meets him after he learns that this whale is an outcast. A killer in, whale. A killer. Uh, the whale's like, come on, get in my mouth. Let me show you something. And he goes in the <laughs> whale's mouth and plugs his tail into like his tonsils. Uh, and the whale like shows him a movie in his brain, I think. It's insane. I don't even know what went on in that movie, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. It's and then, yeah, it's totally obscured, crazy action that, of course, Jake Sully said, it's like, whoa, that happened to you? I understand now. I understand you completely. I see you. It's amazing. I I fucking love it. Uh, I do wish we got more CCH Pounder in this one. She only has like one line in the beginning after the first uh, action scene. She's trying to heal one of uh, Jake Sully's sons. Uh, And, you know, anyone from The Shield hanging out on Pandora is... That's my only complaint is that the first movie had much more CCH Pounder. (laughs) I could see like a a, a Vic Mackey. Uh, yeah, dude, you gotta get Navi, Vic Mackey. Uh, <laughs> his sleek blue bald head, dude. Chickless next time. <laughs> Stephen Lang and Chickless team up. That's, I mean, there is that one Marine dude who's hanging with Stephen Lang who is wearing Oakleys the whole time, yeah. and that did call to mind just like the bozo cop, like the the no neck cop, kind of like Vic Mackey. There is, yeah, you could, with the sequels, they should sneak in, like, a lot of celebrities and stuff like that. Like, well, Cameron's really great at doing, like, cop-ownage stuff. I mean, Terminator yeah. 2 is, like, some of the best ever in that regard. Yeah, and I guess with this one, he owns uh, 
the yeah we got the military and yeah. uh, poachers and whale, the whalers dude. whale whale poacher like that's that's what's funny like to me like all the stuff between like the whalers and like there's like the marine biologists being like oh they're i guess they are an intelligent species yeah. or whatever and it's like <laughs> oh dude <laughs> i i love when they're doing the x-ray on the whale brain so first of all they have this like they have this like scissor lift that they drive into the whale mouth and then go up into it to fucking uh, drill for the gold whale brains. And it's just insane. But uh, he's doing like a 3D scan of the whale's brain, showing it to Spider. And he's like, this part, this is the emotional part. And by scale, it's like way better than ours. They also love philosophy, music, and mathematics. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. They also fuck with music. Uh, and then when, Where do they listen to it? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but you're not going to get very good sound quality underwater. What books do they read? I don't know if this is true or not. <laughs> yeah so when kate winslet's uh soul sister whale gets killed she was like he was a composer of songs <laughs> <laughs> sorry she was a composer yeah. of songs but yeah really it was up. uh that moment fucking destroyed me it was so funny i just yeah. think that like even if you totally buy into the drama and feel the emotional strings of this movie, you could still laugh oh, at some of, of the dumb shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, like, it's fucking. If- it, it's awesome and ridiculous. Like yeah. I, there were so many points when I watched, like when I saw it on Thursday night, where there are people in the audience just at like serious points, just like laughing aloud and yeah. it's like dude i get it like yeah. it's just like they're a whale philosophers it's ridiculous <laughs> but then the same audience like that were hooting and hollering in the third act and like cheering when like like that guy's arm was sliced off and so it's just like it's you're you're seeing so much weird shit like obviously like it's not i don't think the film is like humorless about it like i mean it's not like it, it takes itself seriously, but like I don't know, it's it's fun. It's, it's, it's a big room. enjoy. Uh, yeah, it's a a big spectacle. I I really love all the the machinery in this movie too. I mean, that's a big fetish of Cameron's. You know, while you're on that whaling boat, it's just so cool. I think, and um, then of course the the whaling boat, the command center or whatever. Uh, I don't even know what they're being held on the big military ship uh, that the whaling boat is like off to the side of now, I guess is where they're holding, you know, Jake Sully's kids. And then the whale comes out from under the water and flops on it and just starts like fucking wreaking havoc on the boat. And it's just so sick. And then spider drives it into a rock and the boat starts to sink. And then we go Titanic mode and, we don't need to get into the nuts yeah. and bolts of the third act. It's an hour of carnage, and the dude whose arm gets ripped off—that's the MVP moment of the movie for me. Yeah, no, that that is like kind of the the biggest thrill. Jump. This is a PG thirteen yeah. movie. Yeah, too. like I love that they're able to get away with that much, just like arrows impaling people and fucking headshots. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's so sick. It still carries itself to kind of like you know, it's like you know, you still take your you take your nine year old go see it, of course, but it is like. You know, it still carries. It's people are saying "damn" and "bitch" and shit like that. People say know? "butthole" like yeah. five times in this movie. It is. It is. It might be the most PG thirteen movie of all time. Can yeah, you think of totally. it? Totally. Um, but uh, no, yeah, that last hour is is super masterful and like keeps, you know, with each dilemma solved comes a new problem. And you know what I mean. And uh, 
and you know when I was talking about the emotional through line, I feel like it, you know all that family stuff does really kind of pay off at, in the end where you know one of the you know spoiler I guess one of the Sully sons dies in combat you know saving one of the you know his siblings from the boat and then you know so um and then the sisters are still on the boat so you know so jake jake Sully senior has to go and save the day or whatever and it, it ends up where both the mom and the dad are trapped on the boat sinking and the respectively the son saves the dad the daughter saves you know her sibling and the mother and it, it really is just kind of the, the you know it's the basic, it's the age old wisdom, you know, tradition, et cetera, you know, kind of like the, you know, the kids kind of growing up and, you know, are, are kind of uh, taking care of, uh, you know, the mom and dad at that point, you know, kind of uh, Sully Jr., you know, taking his dad through breathing exercise. I really thought that was moving. I really, it really sold me in a, you know, in a movie that, you know, if you were to read cynically and ungenerously, you could be like, well, what's the fuck is all this Navi nonsense or whatever? All these weird, <laughs> weird blue guys running around talking about serum and ponytails and whatnot. It's fucking, gar you know, but that's but it's not that, you know, it, it you know, it does at least to me myself, you know, it sells all that, you know, in a way that's, uh, uh, I don't know, really entertaining. And, uh, you know, the emotional through lines hit when they need to hit and that's that's what matters it doesn't matter you know what i mean if uh, you know 15 minutes in it's like a dad teaching his son out and you're like okay what up but it 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 comes through in the end and it and that's it's worth it you know th that's the thing about exposition if it doesn't pay off then it's like oh there was a bunch of exposition but if it yeah. pays off then you're like oh you set the table real nice there yeah exactly um, I also would be because we're gonna probably wrap up here, but I would re be remiss if we didn't mention what they ride, uh, what the reef people ride. They ride these sea creatures that are kind of dinosaur looking. They have wings, but they kind of just glide above the water and then go dive in, and it's just the coolest shit ever. Yeah, it's those creatures are so sick. Um, the the whale that the outcast whale that Jake Sully's son be befriends. That's the coolest creature in a movie in so long. That guy is awesome. Um, any final thoughts on Avatar The Way of Water before we give it a rating, JT? I don't know. It was like I went into this being like generally positive. I saw the first Avatar upon re-release uh, in November and I fucked with it. Like I will always be a sucker for like a big like blockbuster that's like kind of clunky at parts but is just like emotionally very earnest and taking a lot of big swings um and i knew like like a lot of the first one is cameron like setting the stage for like how he really wants to explore the world and i was like i have no idea what the fuck this the way of water could be but I was like, he's gonna he's gonna up the stakes. He's gonna make it even better. Uh, Pandora's back, and it's better than ever. Uh, and he did. It was phenomenal. I think one like minor note of like just sort of a little technical skill that I thought was particularly impressive. It like Malcolm mentioning when like we sort of like cut back to like humans doing shit like Edie Falco torturing like a kid it is very jarring there and like odd 
But I was really impressed by how like the CG spectacle was able to blend with uh, live act, like real human performers. Like particularly some of the early parts with Spider, like I think are the best work of like green screen, like CGI, like feeling as though they like occupy the same environment without being like too jarring or like unreal. And the guy who gets his hand cut off, like that in particular too, is like a, like an amazing effect that just I don't know feels true to that world. And uh, I don't know, I'm all ready to go back to Pandora. I am curious to see what sort of terrain Jim will tackle <laughs> in the third. Maybe we go to the air. Uh, maybe we go underground. I don't know. I'm there. Uh, uh, four bullets for me. Well, you know, JT, you know, you're not here with us. I did light a little candle for this recording, you know what I mean? Maybe the way of the flame might be next for Jim Cameron. Um, We love the elements here. We're very element-based here at Extended (laughs) Clip. Uh, Come on, baby. Light my fire. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) James Cameron's a hippie. You know he likes that song. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I... Like I previously said, I, w- I was a little, I don't know, everyone was sucking off Jim Cameron for like a month there. I, I got a little, I got a little wary, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Maybe that's uh, my natural contrarian senses, but uh, what can I say? I mean, he, he, he delivered. It's good to be skeptical. It's good to be, ske- you know, it's good to be skeptical, but it's good, to, you know, it's good to be proven wrong, right? That's like. In, yeah, and in, I was on yeah. board with that, but like, I get how you feel. I mean, that's yeah. how I felt about Spielberg for the last yeah. three months. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, the fa- don't get me started on the. Don't get me started on these fable. I might, I might, I might have to go join Godard in Cuba talking about those fable men. <laughs> um, amazing spectacle of a movie. I, you know, note, I, I sat like third row closest, both me and Eddie third row closest was fully immersed in the screen in the 3d it was a very very good choice i liked being up mm-hmm. that close to the screen i think it helped uh you know didn't you you've also talked about like when fa- i think in the past either like when falling is not falling asleep i think it was when you're not paying attention to a movie to get closer to the screen <laughs> so, like when, uh, for a home viewing yeah. this is not the first this. <laughs> yeah I, you know, I, I that's a piece of information i think i've forgotten myself but uh you know what i literally <laughs> took your advice on that once at a theater i forgot what i was watching but like halfway through i wasn't really feeling it went to the bathroom i came back and i just sat in like the fourth row it was like this rules <laughs> see i think there might, be, might be something to it you might need to get closer <laughs> To the screen, you know. It's We're too jaded with our critical distance. Yeah, exactly. I was saying, like, you know, <laughs> critics should list where they sat in the theater <laughs> in the review. Because I think, also, this is, like, a theater movie. I don't know if I play this on my TV. Yeah. I, maybe maybe so. Maybe I'm wrong. But, like, I don't know if it holds my interest as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's... We'll see when that happens. But I mean, I, it's a t- totally different presentation on TV, yeah. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure there's not high frame rate. It's in a different aspect ratio. Yeah. Uh, the 2D presentations are in scope. The 3D are in 185 uh, because he thinks the the open is more immersive, you know. And uh, 235, I guess that's just what he thinks is better for just like a standard look. Um, yeah. So that's... I mean, that's, that's all to say. I guess, you know, all that stuff's... Uh, important and you know even beyond whatever we think of the movie you know mm-hmm. what i mean you know it's true technical achievement you're right jt it's like some of the immersiveness of the cgi is um 
I'd be interested to see what the framing is like in 2D because, yeah, the first time I watched it uh, on Thursday evening, I sat pretty close to the back. And so I did see the full 185 frame in 3D, like very objectively kind of. And I did like the framing. Um, I I liked how immersive it felt in general. Then seeing it on, you know, IMAX 3D today with you, we sat right up close. It was fucking sick. I'd really like to see what the kind of objective framing is like, though. Yeah. So uh, four bullets. Four yeah, bolts. four for me is. Well. I've already talked enough. I just think it's it's not James Cameron's best or anything, but I'm so happy that he's on this you know vibe right now of just like exploring his hippie consciousness, and yeah. you know all the old hippies are dying, and we gotta let this one ride out his fucking will as long as he can. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, we will be back very soon on extended clip for the next proper double feature episode. Bye bye. Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards something, like some greater purpose? Sometimes your whole life boils down to one insane move.